Hello again. My name is Rick Bob. I am the host of the Virtual CISO Happy Hour. Welcome, everyone. My background, for those who are new, 25 years in the business, CISSP, all that good fun stuff. We have with us two distinguished guest panelists today. We have Jeff Hancock and Chris Hamlin. I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Jeff go ahead and introduce himself first, and then we'll have Chris introduce himself. And we'll start yep. talking about some, hyper, or some cyber hygiene. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Uh, Jeff Hancock, been in cyber for a long time. Uh, five times CISO, uh, built and run a bunch of security operations centers, uh, and actually, and have been a part of many breaches, both causing breaches in a previous life, uh, but then also responding to breaches and dealing with the the blowout from that. So it's going to focus a little bit more of our the rational on our topic today. So, yeah. go ahead, Chris. Yeah, uh, Chris Hamblin. I'm a uh, an IT director for a large international uh, organization with a background in. Uh, uh, primarily uh, ISO and uh, DRC, uh, uh, governance risk compliance, you know, that, that type of realm. So uh, with a specialization in uh, business continuity planning, you know, BIAs and DRAs and so on and so forth. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So this will probably be one of our last generalizations. Uh, our discussions will be real, real wide and really not real deep. So for those of us, or those of you guys regularly watching, we're going to get a lot deeper next, starting next week at some of our topics. So. Anyhow, so for right now, this, this week in you know Cybersecurity Awareness Month, you know we've been trying to talk about a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, a lot of one-on-one stuff. Because after 35 years in this business, and as a multi multi-time CISO myself, I can't tell you how many times as a consultant I've seen basics missed. They're busy. There's always a reason why they don't have something done. Their firewalls are five revs old. Their you know their patch management systems are not up to date. Now, I'm not talking about the patches, but the chat patch management system because enterprises have very, very large numbers of systems to patch, applications to patch, and they can't do it by hand, right? So they've, they've got to have systems, and I've seen them where a lot of systems are behind. So I want to go ahead and start off with Jeff and say, hey, Jeff, welcome back. Appreciate you coming back. Um, let's talk a little bit about cyber hygiene. And with your particular background now, folks, I know Jeff's background, so I, I'm just going to leave it at that. What have you seen, Jeff, or how have you utilized just basic cyber hygiene in mm-hmm. an attack against organizations or how have you kept them cleaned up from basic attacks from these types of uh, cyber hygiene attacks because they're just, people aren't doing it. Yep, yep. So I think, <clears throat> start, I think it's important to understand, you know, basic cyber hygiene is nothing, should not be anything new to anybody. It's just the cost of doing business. It's being responsible with your IT systems, with your people systems, with your security systems. So it's very basic stuff, uh, but it's missed. And when it's missed, as a bad guy, that's what I go for every single time. I want to go for the lowest cost, the fastest way into the organization. Uh, we had, there was a comment, Chris made a comment earlier about, hey, everybody's changed your passwords in an earlier conversation. And that is so true. There's a website that you can go out and look at the most commonly used passwords, and they update this every year, and they pull the data from the dark web. So from breaches that have actually happened. Consistently, the number one most used password, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, still. And that's been, it's 2020, it's been 13 years now that I've watched that report come out, right? And so that when you think about it, that's basic stuff. So I've got a couple of notes here I want to go over real quick, and it, it just kind of helps set the pace for the, the cyber hygiene perspective. So cyber hygiene should cover both organizational and personal behavior, so how the organizations manage technology, and then how people manage the, te- the technology themselves. Are they using VPN? Are they changing their passwords, as mentioned earlier? Uh, Cyber hygiene should be actions that are specific and easily scalable. 
So very simple for the user, very simple for the IT manager, very simple for the cyber analyst, but very scalable and simple. Uh, the effect on preventing, it should have, cyber hygiene should have a very strong effect on preventing, detecting, and responding to, to attacks. So you should be able to say, my cyber hygiene will protect us from these types of attacks. So it should be very, so the idea there is it's just very simple. Again, I'll use that, that changing your password. That's very clear and very simple. Make it complex. Make it a padded password, right? Change that every 90 days, right? And, and that makes it very complicated for the bad guys to, to jump in. Um, no detailed, no domain knowledge or execution of a complex risk management process is necessary to do your cyber hygiene program. So you don't need in-depth technology or uh, risk management policy or methodology to do a cyber hygiene program. It's very straightforward, very simple stuff that we'll get into here in a minute. Uh, but the safeguards can also be supported with marketplace tools. So to manage your identity in your organization, there's a tool that you can buy. There's many tools you can buy that can help you manage your identity. So things, things, tools that directly apply to how you manage your hygiene. Those are some of the key things from a, a perspective of building a cyber hygiene program. And this isn't, it's really something I strongly recommend is people build that cyber hygiene program, what that looks like uh, with, your, with your company, what's most important, what's not, what's least important. Uh, for some organizations, uh, a third-party supply chain program is very is key. It's part of the cyber hygiene program that they should have. So again, very basic stuff. But from an attacker's perspective, I don't need to have a complex, dynamic way to attack an organization. I'm going to go with the basic. I'm going to go with the simple stuff. I'm going to go with the the very easy ways to get in the organization. Again, from a human cyber hygiene perspective, that's people not changing their passwords. From a technical cyber hygiene perspective, that's your IT manager not changing the passwords on servers they just bought and installed in their data center that they're using for whatever, right? They use the manual passwords, the, the admin standard passwords that come through, they forget to change it. And then the organization's kind of got a hold, right? So pretty straightforward. Chris, thoughts on that? Yeah, I know yeah. I so a lot. Diving, diving just a little bit more into the the passwords piece, obviously complexity, you know, length and, ter and terms. Personally, I recommend a 14 character uh, password or greater. Um, uh, uh, diving a little bit into uh, service accounts. You know, if we're talking to administrators and such uh, on the service account perspective, if you've got different systems or whatever that one way or another, you can't um, uh, it, completely disable the service accounts or if you have to or you know those core administrator accounts that thing you have to have those um making them extremely long you know say 50 characters of extremely complex uh, passwords and such but then being very uh very specific as to how you store those passwords in a way that with a very limited access uh to uh to those um in in a uh, a password management uh system that utilizes <laughs> yeah. uh, multi-factor authentication to get into those uh systems with very limited access uh, to those. In an ideal uh, uh, environment, I would also even say those type of service accounts should actually be utilized on a check-in, check-out basis so that when you actually check out a service account to go use it, and then when you check it back in, that those systems, some of them will automatically roll the passwords and change the passwords at the time that you check it back in. So the net, the, the, during the uh, time between uses, uh, frankly, you don't know what the password is. You yeah. go check check it out, use it, Check it, check it back in. It gets rolled onto a different uh, password. So uh, yep. definitely some additional considerations around the uh, the the password piece specifically. So, yep, awesome. I agree. Next, 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 kind of the 
topics that I like to go into on cyber hygiene, folks, literally is where I think Chris touched on it is when an administrator leaves an organization, right? A systems admin leaves. How many times have we seen organizations not change their domain passwords, not change their router passwords, their firewall passwords, not change, you know, their IDS systems passwords? Because as a bad guy, if I get a hold of your IDS, there's no way you're going to know I'm around, period. I'm going to start exfiltrating data in ways that you can't even imagine, and you're not going to see it go. You're not going to get triggered. No alarm's going to trigger these types of things. So it's always been in my experience, and Chris and Jeff, please feel free to argue with me if you feel differently, but it's been my experience that insider threat has always been the biggest threat to any organization, plain and simple. Insider threat could be accidentally deleting data. It could be somebody, you know, like getting ready to change jobs and leave, and they're going you know, to extort your data, or take their data with them, that type of thing, your client database. This is real common in CRM type data. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, um, these are what I see, like the service accounts. What do you see, Jeff, is probably one of, if you had to pick one of the biggest things, the hygiene, what would it be? Would it be patching, service accounts, something along your lines? What do you see? What do you think? Yes, so I think it's it's... It's just simply managing the technology, right? The human side is always going to be there. That can be mitigated and managed well um, in today's technology, in today's operations. It's it's easier to set that up in a rinse and repeat model. <clears throat> so passwords, cyber awareness training, social engineering, some social awareness training, that kind of training is easy. The challenging thing is what I've found is from a cyber hygiene perspective is you can get yourself, your organization, technically tight from an IT cyber hygiene perspective, just on the technology piece. Get it good. But then you've got to open up your network to third party. You've got to open up your network to your customers. So you're you know, exposing yourself to their, as a third party to your customer or to another third party organization. And there are issues around cyber hygiene where it's kind of forgotten. But we're good. Your organization is good. What about the cyber hygiene of organizations that are connecting into me? Right? Because then that, that's just going to tank my system. If, if I connect to an unsecure network, then that's a problem. So I've seen that that's becoming much more of an issue finally in cyber operations where organizations are saying, hey, yeah, we're great. Oh, no, wait a second. We've got all these little connection points into our network. What are we going to do? Right? And, they, and then they suck. Right? They, they tank yeah. to the security maturity model. Uh, I think that, that's a big thing. You know, the supply chain and understanding should, from a technical perspective, you, on, you build an enclave just for this set of customers, just for your supply chain. And then require them to meet certain basic cyber hygiene requirements. I, I've seen more of that going on in the last few years, and it's been effective um, because it raises all boats, so to speak. You know, the whole yeah. uh, whatever that quote is, it, it works. I've seen it work well. So, so third Good. party, fourth party risk yep. assessment should be part of your cyber hygiene. Yep, and it should yeah, be regular, yeah. not once a year. Go ahead, Chris. To, to, to dive in just just a little bit deeper on one one of the topics that kind of just came to mind as you were talking about that that Jeff one of the, the ways that that uh, I've seen a lot of organizations tackle it and I'll, I'll leave you that that is a open kind of statement I've seen a lot of organizations tackle that utilizing um, uh, such as like uh, uh, different virtual desktop uh, type solutions um, whether it be Azure virtual desktop or parallels run, running in you know um, uh, AWS or something along those lines where where you control the access from like your your uh, consultants or, or third parties or whatever into your environment 
brew that means. So as soon as you cut their access, they don't have access into that parallel. They are never getting a VPN client or anything like that, right? Yep, or we're yep. just completely killing that that functionality. So the the data never exists on them. And as well as the a lot of those type of solutions, you can lock them down to help actually prevent a lot of data exfiltration. So you can't even copy and paste out of some of those solutions and, the, and those type yep. of things as well. Yep. So, it's like you said, it's like you said, yeah. check in, check out. Yeah. Right, it's checking right. in the access and that, and that I agree with you that that's right. a great right. way to mitigate that. Or, or even, you know, I, ideally all of your third, third parties and stuff would really be enable on demand, right? They, they, don't, they, they don't have access to your, your environment until yeah. you need them to have access. You enable them, they get in, they do right. things, you disable them and right. they jump out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen companies struggle with that just from a management perspective, when you've got legacy systems, data centers, your own data center systems, on-prem systems, and you've got cloud, right? So from a management perspective, cyber hygiene is all over the place. And you've got different maturity models for each of those, which, which then makes it complicated. So it's important. So I think it's really important for organizations to identify the top five or six things that constitute cyber hygiene in their environment. And that's, that's a done deal. That's baked into everything. Right? And then I would even put it cyber training into some of that, too, that, that model. Yeah. for the staff because it's just it's just what you've got to do nowadays yeah, yeah. So. without a, without a shadow of a doubt i would still say that the biggest uh concern or the the entry point to the environment is the end users whether it be social engineering whether it be e- email phishing and etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean those those are your your worst or you know yeah. uh you know most likely uh hood of uh, entry into the environment you got to think about kill chain too, right? So I mean, the kill chain model, it's all about the reconnaissance and then getting in the door, finding a way in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it, once I get in, what I'm first thing I do is escalate privilege. So I mean, it's it's if you can shut that off, you can you can reduce that that surface area again through cyber uh, cyber hygiene. You're you're better off. Sure, at, at that at that point, I mean, really, we're talking about mostly patch management. At that at that point, you're talking about yeah, oh yeah, yep. absolutely, yep. absolutely. But you know, I mean, you're 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 talking about not only your um <clears throat> your 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 primary systems, your 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 you know Microsoft products and and Windows and so on and so forth, but you're also you're also talking about all your your third party ancillary products. You know, your uh, uh, different browsers, whether you know, you're supporting you know Chrome or Firefox or anything like that. Your Adobe's. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are critical vulnerabilities in, in Adobe and, and uh, other, uh, you know, third-party products um, sure. you know, that, are, really that are being, you know, released day in and day, day out with uh, zero days. So you have to have solutions that are, that are properly managing and, and patching those um, and able to address them on a zero-day functionality, yeah. uh, whether your systems are on or off, off-prem to the environment as well. Yeah. I've seen a lot of them where uh, some of the biggest biggest breaches we've seen in the late last 10 years are coming in through IoT devices because they're not being, you know, maintained. They're not being patched. Your HVAC system that's connected online, it goes off to a 14-man shop that's managing HVAC systems for, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of, you know, companies, and they have a domain admin account. And that's how they're managing, you know, their old 10-year-old, you know, Least, least privilege, minimal access required right. to yeah. do the job. Yep. Yep. That the IoT yeah. functions are really critical to be part of your cyber hygiene. That was kind of where my was kind of going along with that to make yeah. sure yeah. your printers are up to date. You know, all your all your oddball ends. You know, the, the, the projectors and whatnot. 
the HVAC systems that are connected, the alarm systems that are connected to the to the internet. Mm-hmm. Those should be patched and or at least added to a regular surveillance, if you will, or a regular uh, cycle to at least check. Because some of these systems you can't change, right? I mean, it's common that a company will invest in an alarm system. Let's just pick on alarms for the moment. And 10 years later, nothing's gone wrong with that alarm system, but, you know, they're still using it and they haven't touched it in nine out of the last 10 years. Yeah. And so that Even some OT, to, yeah, OT that, devices, right? Yeah. That, in that the, leaves uh, a wide open water. door, right? Yep. yep. Like in a water or electric or, uh, dare I say, nuclear field, um, monitoring systems that are old, uh, and, but they work and nobody wants to touch them, right? Yep. But, they, but cyber hygiene, just the application of cyber hygiene in those environments will, will at least yep. give you the visibility, right? Of some of those things, for sure. I worked with a team that we uh, had drained. We were, they were paid to get in and break into a large dam in the United States. And I worked on the, I used to work on the U.S. power grid. And they actually drained Lake Roosevelt two feet before anybody <laughs> knows. Now, for those who don't know where Lake Roosevelt is, that's right behind Grand Coulee Dam, largest dam yeah. in the world. <laughs> and when you draw on draining two feet of water, you about any knowing, not generate quality of the they got in somehow through an old system, got onto their control panels, and our control panels were umpteen year, million years old <laughs> and they were unpatched, unmonitored, but they were still connected to the internet and they literally yep. drained trillions of gallons of water and nobody knew until one day somebody walked on, one of the people, one of the employees walked up and went, that looks weird. Why is that brown line there? That shouldn't be there. That's literally how they found it, that brown line on, on the cement. Line. <laughs> yeah. It was scary. But that's just their basic cyber hygiene, you know, their IoT stuff yep. just wasn't kept up to date. So, yeah, I think that's a good point that you're making too. I mean, it's it's very much the inventory control of enterprise assets, the inventory and control of software assets. Yeah. Right? And that's that's not hard when companies have to buy software and hardware. There's an inventory list somewhere. Somebody's got that somewhere. So you have that list. Now it's just making sure yep. when was this installed, when was this updated, when does it need to be updated, uh, what are the threats to these models, right? Cisco just quietly released uh, on Monday that a bunch of zero days. Yeah. yeah, for a bunch of yeah. oh, great surprise, everybody! Right, so how do you, from a hygiene perspective, how do you now fix that? Right, um, so two other things: so data protection, obviously, from a cyber hygiene perspective, is really important, and secure configurations and uh, of the asset management of those assets, as well as uh, uh, the, 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 the account management and access control. Right, so those things are really seem to be the, the driving force between at least the minimums of a cyber hygiene program. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, um... Uh, asset management is a, is a huge one. I mean, the, the reality is, is that you have to know what you're trying to secure, right? <laughs> and, and, and so both, <laughs> and that's, that's both, you know, onboarding and offboarding of uh, equipment personnel, u- users, so on and so, mm-hmm. so forth, right? Um, and have a complete, complete life cycle there. You can't go back in and say, well, hey, I'm not getting in a reporting on this. Okay, well, that must not no longer be uh, in production. And then it comes into production a week later, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you you have to know whether or not it's supposed to be on the network, or you, um, have mechanisms to make sure that it's not capable of getting back onto the network again. Yeah, right. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Another thing I see you've seen out there is just the basic uh, cyber hygiene that people are missing, and I don't understand. I, I've struggled to understand why the, how this happens. So, a lot of companies, especially enterprises, will roll something out new, and it'll be a major change. And then they won't pen test it until next year's pen test is due. Their annual, they hit everything at one time. And if you deploy something 
thing with a massive hole in it three weeks after your pen test was done. <laughs> that gives, you know, somebody 47 weeks, you know, 48 <laughs> weeks to go have a good time. You know, yeah. I, so I, I see that as one of the issues. I mean, like any major new software deployment, if you're going to change the, in, the infrastructure, you know, external facing infrastructure anywhere, in shape or form, that should go through at least minimum testing. Your website, you know, this should all go through SAS or DAS testing. So your your static, you know, code right. testing, your dynamic code testing to make sure that there's no mm -hmm. hole there. Go ahead, Chris. That that includes, you know, not, don't deploy anything with utilizing the the default usernames and passwords with the <laughs> intent as I'm done deploying it, then I'm going to go back and change it. We've literally, literally seen seen clients that have actually been hacked at the time of deployment because yeah. admin admin was still enabled. Yep. On medical, <laughs> I've seen that a lot in the medical world. Yeah, <laughs> even data centers, right? Yeah, yeah, data centers. I live out near data center alley out here, and there's so many facilities out here. It was thousands and thousands of servers, and they install and go, right? And they, the customer is responsible in some cases for managing the security of the device. They just plug it in and wipe their hands. So there's a responsibility there. And I think something you said, Rick, that I want to key on too with the pen testing. Um, pen testing, some people treat it like audit. Happens once a year. Well, you know, it's not the, you can't do that. When yeah. If I'm a CIO, my responsibility has been the last few years and will be the next few years, that great big phrase, digital transformation. As a CIO, I'm helping the organization go from legacy, data center, to cloud, uploading all the applications to the cloud. I've got to do all of this IT stuff from a security hygiene perspective. As a CISO, I've got to make sure I'm in lockstep with the CIO to make sure is IT hygiene being managed from legacy to on-prem to data center to cloud? Are these applications, the how are they during yeah. the prior to? Like, what's the roadmap? Yeah. What's the plan, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it's a very key, but that basic phrase, what is your IT cyber hygiene, Mr. CIO? Because you're responsible for the, your IT pieces and portions. I'm just a, a cyber guy. Uh, but then how can I help enforce that as a CISO to make sure that the organization is more secure going forward? But the, the digital transformation buzzword I mean, it's a real thing for sure, uh, but it can it can represent a lot of risk in organizations. Yeah, yeah. And, as you were uh, uh, talking there, uh, I, it kind of jumped out to me as well. As we're we're talking about completely revamping you know organizations and and uh, you know rewriting a lot a lot of code and and uh, and whatnot, making sure that you have as part of that uh, code deployment it running through a additional uh, security uh, vulnerabilities and doing uh, pen tests on codes prior to being deployed, looking yep. for unknown potential vulnerabilities. Right? Let Let's face it: how many developers out there that are actually developing from scratch? No one. No one develops anything from scratch. They're always going out and copying codes and bits of yep. codes from other places and then tweaking it for their own use. And in yep. some some cases, you've got developers that don't know what the hell is in that code. Yep. They just know that, care. hey, it does this. Yep. And it yep. actually yep. did do this, but you don't know whether or not it's doing something else. Also. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. We've seen coders relying on AI now at this point to actually write some of their code. They totally trust it. They have an AI. Yeah. They tell them what they want to do it. They <laughs> come back with you know five five hundred lines of code. They just plop it on their production systems. You're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. What yeah. is all that doing? What is every line doing with code? And they don't document it. <laughs> they don't understand it. Yeah. So it, it goes back to basic hygiene. You know, where we go back to the dynamic testing and static testing of code. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So what? If, what? Do you, how do you guys feel about compliance audits? So for me, compliance audits are a great thing, but they're a snapshot in time, right? So like, like you were talking about, Jeff, you know, once a year, you got your NYDFS, 
you got your HIPAA assessment. You know, every year you've got different things going on. But those are all kind of, you know, they're, all, they're just a, a slice in time. So for me, an audit is great, but it needs to be repetitive. And I don't mean annually. I mean, every quarter or every month, you know, start looking at your systems, you know, do your user access reviews, look at your intranet, you know, your uh, vulnerabilities, run your, run your vulnerability scanner at regularly and get mm-hmm. these vulnerabilities at least known, updated, patched, or if you, in some cases you can't patch them when well, we know that. You've got to put a compensating control in place. And I see these happening three months before their annual audit on a semi-regular yeah. basis, right? And so for that's something that I see as, as an issue is they're using audits as a compliance tool rather than as a security tool. Oh, yeah. have, you, have you seen this, Jeff? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I think it's, I think a lot of people, um, a lot of organizations that I work with, agree, I agree with you, right? They use the audit piece as the snapshot in time and we're good, right? We're good for till next year. Um, but from a CISO's perspective, obviously you kind of know better in that I've got to make the compliance requirements operational. So I've got to make sure I develop a set of plans and processes and operational methodology that takes into consideration the audit requirements and the gaps in the audit requirements so that I can develop an operational security program that's unique to my organization and my environment, what my needs are, my tools, so that I can make sure thing, I not only hit check the box every day at any point, yeah. uh, but I'm operationalizing it securely. And I think that's where, again, I go back to, and I think you've heard me, you guys, said, you guys have heard me say this before, um, you, know, you can use an audit, you can use HIPAA, you can use NYDFS, you can use PCI, whatever. Yeah, those are, again, those are just snapshots. Um, I've always used and recommended and quite frankly beat the crap out of and then actually contributed to at some point the CIS 18, which is now known as the CIS 18 controls, which used to be the SANS critical 20 controls. Some people are familiar with that. Or if, or a long, long time ago, it used to be called the consensus audit guidelines or CAG. Yep. Um, it's uh, the first, doing the first five of those, the, of the first eight, five of those 18, help organizations operationalize the audit piece. It helps operationalize even hygiene to a basic degree that you can get started at least and start going down the right path. Yeah. Um, and to tack yeah. on to your, your statement, Jeff, along with all of that, along with all the planning and the resource, you know, at, going in and at the pen testing and every day, I also would add on training. So as you're building this out, you know, you're not just looking at it once a year, you're building out all of your, uh, all of your security packages, you're doing checking your box every day. One of the things that I would I would encourage folks to do is don't do annual security testing or security training. Get it whenever somebody needs it. Get it, you know, implement security training as part of your onboarding, as part of a change control. You know, and I see a lot of that where we'll make major changes in some organizations and that organization may not offer any training on, and they've changed, gone from SQL 5.0 to SQL 2010, you know, and it's a <laughs> massive change. You know, there's no security training behind that. So I see that also quite often. This should be part of somebody's cyber hygiene programs right along the line with your audits. So that's just something I, I've seen out there quite a bit. Yep. Have you seen a lot of that, Chris? What's your thoughts on that, on training and, oh, as part of your day-to-day? Uh, training as far as a day-to-day? So it kind of, <laughs> you guys said a whole lot in in there and a, <laughs> a couple of different things. So a uh, few few different things kind of came to mind as you guys were, uh, were talking there was... Uh, the uh, you know in, internal and ex- external audits, and I do you know, want to stress uh, very heavily on internal audits. Um, one one of the the massive benefits of internal audits, more than anything, in my opinion, is actually getting folks to think in different ways. 
Um, and, and that does come down to training. So there's very much a tie between, between the two um, because people get really busy in their, their day-to-day operations and, and doing things and so on and so forth. I mean, especially if you're talking about, you know, infrastructure folks and, and development folks and, and so on and so, so forth. And so they're, they're, you know, hands on keyboard, hammering away on whatever next project that they're, that they're working on, trying to get them to, to steer in a different direction so that they're, that they're thinking about things from a security perspective as they're doing their day-to-day process. So that so that's a big part of it is ed- educating them to, to think around security as they're doing their day-to-day operational uh, processes because those guys are going to, in my opinion, really going to help pre- prevent um, uh, more, uh, more potential issues within the environment than anybody if you can get them to actually think about it in everything that they do, right? As mm-hmm. they're deploying a new solution or whatever, that they're looking at it from the different perspectives of internal controls reviews and, and admin access and uh, privileged identity management and so on and so forth. If they're looking at those solutions in a way that, hey, I'm not just rolling out a solution with a, a local administrative account that's going to be shared out to everybody and so on and yeah. so forth. With, with, I mean, you've seen that day in and day out, right? You, hey, you, we, we got a solution. The solution was deployed. It was deployed quickly. The business is using it. But there's one admin account that's being shared between 10 admins, right? With, <laughs> with, no, with no multi-factor authentication, no you know, ability to pin up or anything like that, right? So getting the, those folks to, to think in a, di- in a different direction so that they're applying those security <laughs> mechanisms at the, at the time of their doing whatever their day-to-day tasks are is going to be a hell of a lot easier than doing your audits afterwards, going oh, back and then trying to remediate, fix those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yep. Security yeah. audits, in fact, it never works well. We've all seen right. it. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Awesome. So, Jeff, what are three or four things that you would like to see changed in security in the world, the world of information security around cyber hygiene? If you, if you had your top three or four things that you would change across the board, what would those be? Um, it, it's probably really, um, probably one thing in a couple of different parts uh, that CIOs take on ownership of IT hygiene for their organization. So they have a set of controls to manage the technology, whether that's requiring VPNs for employees who work remote, whether that's encrypting machines, uh, laptops, servers, et cetera, whether that's uh, making sure when they're going between on-prem legacy systems that there's a process make sure that it's auditable for security, that it's clear for security controls in place, that the basics are done just to manage the, the technology, right? Not admin passwords, right? Not admin, admin, as Chris pointed out earlier. Yeah. Something a bit more, you know, a bit stronger <laughs> and unique. Uh, and then also then from the, the board's perspective, that literally the CEO and the board have a, a better of a role to play in the, what are we doing on basic cyber hygiene as it relates to M&A? Because there is some issues there. Right? Oh, yeah. When I'm going to go buy another company, what am I going to do? As it relates to third-party supply chain, right? If I'm going to go onboard this new customer and I'm in a business role and I need to talk to IT because of technology, the IT person should say, okay, wait a second. What's this new vendor's cyber hygiene practice at a minimum? What are they compliant with? What are they just to get that moving? So it's Prior kind of spreading to ink on paper. Prior <laughs> to <laughs> ink on paper. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. that enough. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. Good point. Yep. 
Yep, agreed. And I think that's that's a really key point. So that's what I'd I'd recommend. Okay. Applying it to everybody, <laughs> really across the board. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to yeah. see the I personally like to see the board more responsible, more at least get their reports monthly rather than annually. Oh yeah, make them part of the solution because anytime I work with the board of directors and we sit down and explain to them what their risks truly are, not what they think they are, but what they truly are, and you start seeing the eyes open up, you know, and it's pretty pretty obvious pretty quick. So. For me, one of the things I like to see is more of the C-suite and the board involved in at least security reporting, right? What are your true risks? Why, you know, why are we, why do we still have, you know, a, especially in manufacturing, right? So there's a lot of manufacturing tools out there. There's brake presses. There are CNC machines still running on Windows 95. And they can't upgrade them short of throwing the whole machine out and starting over from scratch, right? So that's a large investment, right? And that, that goes back to your basic security. You, know, you don't protect what you can, right? You don't spend a million dollars protecting a $10,000 item. You just expect you accept the loss of the $10,000 item, right? But if we get the boards more involved in that and they start understanding what that looks like and understanding there could be some kind of compensating controls and understanding what the reverberations are of a breach, right? And they all know, they all know what they see everybody else with a breach. A lot of boards haven't really experienced one themselves. And so they're just kind of like, that can't happen to us. All right. But when we actually take them reports and show them this is what's really happening in the organization and we yep. need X dollars to make this better for you and for us, we'll, everybody will make more money, their reputation will stay good. That, that's where I see one of the big things in cyber hygiene should be is we should actually have a better place at the board of directors with a standard, with a, a recurring report instead of annually. Yep. Agreed. I guess it gets the buy-in from that end. Chris, what do you think? What are couple things that you would like to see cyber hygiene. If you could do anything in the world, what would you do for cyber well, hygiene? Well, you, you've already looked in one direction. I'll look in the opposite direction. Better le- better leverage of all of the personnel within the organization. Kind of talked about it a little, little, little bit, but the, the improvement around operations and the cybersecurity teams working with uh, the all of the, the IT staff on a regular ongoing basis so that you know they are potentially your biggest wrench turners or capable of being your wrenchers. Most organizations have extremely small cybersecurity teams, right? Yes. The reality is that you can leverage significantly more the rest of your IT uh, security team, as well as even the other uh, leadership within the organization on the business side of the house, so that they are better evaluating different applications and stuff. Because a lot of a lot of times they're evaluating a- applications, third party providers, and, and such on an ongoing basis. Right? They're looking for other opportunities to to improve their their business. If they better understand what the questions to, to ask are, uh, it, they potentially could you know dismiss a potential vendor prior to it ever even getting to the cyber team to do that third third party uh, risk assessment on, right? I mean, the, the, the reality is that leverage the other uh, folks within the organization um, to potentially, you know, decrease the overall uh, load on cybersecurity teams. Yeah, great. <laughs> One other thing that we haven't talked a lot about that I'd, I'd kind of like to add on to this before we end this today is monitoring, right? So a big thing is you, you don't know what you, if you don't know what you have, you don't know what you're protecting, correct? I mean, that, and then Jeff and Chris both yeah. did that earlier today. So asset management, yes, is critical. But actually monitoring those assets is equally as critical. So if you have something on your network, if you're not doing the basic hygiene, not changing the basic you know, user ID, user password, changing the IP address, you know, all, all, just all the basic stuff, right? Don't know what's going on. 
So with the monitoring is critical, especially like in, a, in the manufacturing environment where I've seen Windows 95 still in place. You can't change that, but you can put a compensating control in place or in front of it potentially to help protect your security, right? And your, your hygiene, because you can't change this, but we can put something in front of it to effectively make it look changed. So monitoring those assets, monitoring that traffic is critical to cyber hygiene, in my opinion. So just one more thing I want to make sure we threw in there today. Great. Great. Absolutely. Awesome. Bi- micro segmentation with uh, application firewalls between each segment. <laughs> oh, now we're going to start talking deep. I can't wait for next week, Chris. We can get deep on this <laughs> stuff. We'll talk, we'll talk about zero trust and what it really is versus what it really is. You know, quite a bit of difference. Um, absolutely. I, I can talk to you about my uh, dreams of zero trust. We'll see. Okay, guys, I appreciate your time. And I'm going to close this out real quick with ask Jeff for, a clo- for any closing thoughts and then move on to Chris for closing thoughts. Other yeah, than that, I think we're going to go ahead yeah, and this I think, uh, I think it's really, obviously, cyber hygiene is a basic first step. It's a minimum requirement just to run yourself on a laptop at home. Yes. So it definitely should be minimum every day what you breathe in the office, but but from through three areas. Cybersecurity needs to have their cyber hygiene house in order. IT needs to have their IT hygiene house in order, which obviously obviously blends into yep. cyber, but then the human side of this too. Right. So in your security awareness training, there is a basic human cyber hygiene piece of this. Again, changing passwords, all that kind of stuff that needs to be addressed. So I, I think it's a it's a multifaceted thing. It's not complicated, it's not complex. You just gotta look at it outside of just the security only realm and not just technology yep, right. focused. So. Yeah. 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 Chris? Uh, I, I would say, you know, the, the biggest thing is making sure that you're actually going through and, and, and looking at all the different aspects, right? Uh, again, not hyper-focusing on the, the task or the project or, or specific technology at, at hand, but looking at all aspects of uh, your overall cyber hygiene on a, on a regular and continual basis at minimum once a quarter. No, I agree. At least once a quarter, and that's where that was. That was going to be my closing argument was, you know, just make sure that you do this every quarter at a minimum because monthly, I'm sorry, annually is just not going to cut it. It just isn't. You know, there's just too many too many breaches out there with basic 101. The, the organization wins. changes so fast. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, right? I mean, how many new applications have we had over the past three months? Any organization, right? Any organization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that feeds right back into doing your audits doing your training as part of that actual rollout. So, okay. Awesome, guys. Well, I want to thank you for your time again. I appreciate Jeff and Chris being guest participants here in our panelists. We really appreciate your uh, your input and your, value and your viewpoints. Thank you much, gentlemen. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.